So hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. Today, we're welcoming Swati Shah to the show. Swati is Senior Vice President and CIO of U.S. Markets. At TransUnion, in this role, she's responsible for all technology and delivery within TransUnion's U.S. market. Prior to TransUnion, Swati served as Senior Vice President of Emerging Technologies at U.S. Bank. There, she was responsible for leading the enterprise API and microservices strategy, bringing business and technology together to produce API as a product. She also led the DevOps strategy to drive business agility, cloud adoption, and modernization. She held leadership positions at Capital One, Thomson Reuters, and Motorola before that. Swati holds a Bachelor of Science degree in mathematics, a Master's of Science degree in computer science, and an MBA from Lake Forest School of Management in Chicago. Welcome to the show, Swati. Glad to be here and excited to talk to you both. Very excited to have you with us. Um, Swati, if you don't mind, can you share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself as well as your role at TransUnion? Sure. So I am based off Chicago, and of course, I'm here because I'm a lifelong learner. And one of the way I learn is to listen to podcasts like this one. And uh, thank you, both of you and your team, for continuing to contribute this kind of podcast to the communities. So greatly appreciate that. I'm based off Chicago. And my role at TransUnion, Patrick already described what that means is leading multiple technology products in terms of how we make business enable partnership with business, keeping in customer in mind and focusing on how we build our talent as well as, you know, give them meaningful work. So that's about my role at TransUnion. So Swati, how many people report up into your organization as the CIO of the U.S. markets? So there are hundreds of engineers, right? Uh, But if we think from a perspective of when we have an idea or a customer pain point, how we deliver at TransUnion, we work across many different teams and many different cross functions that comes together to deliver. So it's everybody coming in together in terms of how we make things happen for our customers. And those types of large organizations, it's difficult at times to get things accomplished. What are some of the things that you're doing to help speed up uh, delivery of value to those customers? That's a fantastic question, Patrick. On top of the speed of what we deliver to the market, the complexity is also how fast market and customer demands changes. So how do we keep up with it? At TransUnion, we believe in making trust possible. And we follow that within TransUnion of how cross-functional teams come together in terms of tackling the problems and how we execute that, starting from solutioning, uh, execution from technology perspective, delivery, and not just delivery, but operationalizing it and making sure we give and continue to build best-in-class customer experience. That's great. I could imagine 
security is one of those really critical driving objectives for your organization, considering the sensitivity of the data that you're, you're protecting. Absolutely. That's one of the foundational when we say make trust possible. Every foundation that we build, security is the biggest pillar of it. And uh, we recently hired Bill Shields and he joined us as a chief security officer at TransUnion. And we are super excited about his leadership, his vision, and how we will get together to continuously advance on that. So thinking about security and customer, who is TransUnion's customer? I mean, I, I, I use the credit freeze functionality personally, right? That's an important part for me. Uh, in fact, just happened the other day, I was securing a, a, a business loan and the, I was told that I had to uh, unfreeze my account. Is somebody like me your primary customer or who is your, your primary customer? So our customers are enterprise organization or, you know, B2B model as we call, right? And our customers are like you, are like you and me, which we call a consumer interactive model. So our customers are in pretty wide variety. At TransUnion, we are in 35 countries and global organization. So that gives, you know, gives you a perspective of a complexity on top of different customer base, the regulations and the industry that we deal with or work with is not only from a credit perspective, but a lot of diversified industry that we work in. For example, uh, Matt Spiegel, who is one of our leader uh, driving marketing solutions and what does marketing solutions mean from industry perspective and how we build our solutions that empowers our customers and connect our consumers to give them better insights. That's awesome. It's an interesting business model where direct-to-consumer and you know B2C and B2B is, uh, it seems to be that there's a larger growing portion of B2Bs that want to move to B2Cs, right? Where maybe was a B2B to C. Any thoughts on that? Any experience? I think every time when we think about B2B, from my experience perspective, you have to keep in mind B2B to C because your goal is that how do you make your customers' customers successful? And ultimately it goes and touches every consumer life. Is that something when, you, when you're dealing with the engineers, the technical folks, is that something that you think is important for them to understand who is the customer and who is the customer's customer, as you said? Yes, absolutely. So within TransUnion, the way we approach is every time we start talking about what we are going to build, it's about why, right? And why is very much focus on in terms of not just what we are going to build, but how does that impact to customer, which is and consumer, right? Even if it's for our customer, which are B2B solutions, how do they leverage at certain extent that we can have information and we can share information is about how does that impact to the end user, which is consumer at the end of the day? We go to the extent, Patrick, that, of course, we follow agile practices within the organization and methodology, how we build and deliver from a technology and solution perspective. But we, we go to the extent also to call out our 
PI kickoff is Y kickoff, right? So that helps us to focus to say what we are doing is why we are doing and empower everybody to understand because as a technologist or as an engineer by heart, if I understand why we are doing it and how it impacts, there are very creative solutions that can come through it to solve if we focus on problem and not solution. I totally agree. And I think there's things outside of, you know, the specs that you want the engineers to kind of make a good guess, right? Because you're not going to get like a end to end. Sometimes you don't even get a very good beginning to beginning requirement stock of, you know, and again, uh, experienced software engineers know uh, perfect requirement documents are, are going to be at the next project. Don't worry about this one. We'll, we'll figure that out next time. I'm still waiting for that 25 years later. But is that something when you're interviewing or is that something from a culture standpoint? Like, how do you find the people who can do that? Because I think there's there's a balance of like engineering focus, human focus, not that you can't have a certain amount of like, this is what we consider quality. This is what we consider objectives from an engineering standpoint, but also how do you create uh, that team of people that want to solve your customer's customer's problem? That's a great question because building a pipeline for tomorrow within or bringing from outside, either way, it's very critical, especially in the technology. We all know you know, it's very difficult to build and attract the talent anywhere you ask about it, especially from engineering and technology perspective. Our leader, Abidar, who is our CITO at TransUnion, he talks about this as our organization is a people organization. When we think about technology, it's not about thinking about machines, right? It's about people and truly TransUnion has a fantastic culture and how do we work through it? To, going back to your question, it's more about, there are multiple attributes, right? It depends on the which part of technology that you are planning to work. There is not one role, but some of the things that I look at as a leader is someone who is open to learn. Lifelong long learning is a very critical piece. And then we can talk about it a little bit, how we do it at TransUnion for us to continue as an engineer to learn new things and new technology that comes. But someone who is open to learn, of course, someone has an expertise in the skills that we are looking for, cross-team collaboration, which is a key in terms of how do we be allied with each other in terms of making things happen not just for us, but for specifically focusing on our customer, right? So those are some of the key behavioral attributes and and skills that I personally look for. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I have a liberal arts education, computer science, but from a liberal arts school, and I think it's a huge benefit of, I had to take some poetry classes, I had to take some philosophy classes, and I, I do apply those types of things because Software engineering is a creative environment, right? It's it's not a simple numbers thing. There is creativity that's required for, I think every developer should find their own voice within the confines of what the coding guidelines are, right? So that you can actually say, oh, I think this person wrote this because this is how they do it without the adherence to like some dogmatic overward of like, this is it, this is how we name all of the. It's like, I think there should be some flexibility. I think also that 
that level of like autonomy obviously creates encouragement from the staff. But I also think when you have guidelines and then you break those guidelines, it should draw attention, right? Like it's like a, there's something we had to go outside the lines here and there's probably a reason why. So pay attention, right? Uh, just think about some of the authors that would break convention, right? In their books. It was, you knew this is the time to pay attention. There's important stuff in the story right now. I think that's totally applicable, especially to like software engineering of creating that kind of uh, human element, even inside the code of like, uh, how do you use this uh, for good? Right. And I think to your point, and we were talking about customers and who is customer, we think about enterprise customers, we think about consumer, but in API-led economy, developers are our customer, right? So as a developer, how do you think about, would you be using this product? That's the third angle that comes in and how do you make it easy from integration? It's a fantastic opportunity that probably didn't exist, you know, decade before in terms of leveraging your own experience and making it easy for your end customer, which is a de- who, who could be a developer and very effective. I could share some of the things that we do at TransUnion because building talent is a very critical piece of, you know, us as organization and me personally as a leader is there are key things, right? One I talk about is open to learn. Second is I'm sure it many people who are listening in, they they can relate to it, is personalized learning. We all learn very differently. And then third and most important piece is practice, 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 right? So at TransUnion, the way we approach is, and what I call it, is learn by doing it. What I mean by that is, how do we equip our people and enable them for this behavior? And how do we create an opportunity that they practice? The technology landscape changes very fast, Patrick, as you and I both have seen for over the years, right? And there is this learning process that works really well when you are working through it. And I think I personally memorize it better if my hands are on keyboards, right? So at TransUnion, we provide couple of hours of development time every Friday and encourage engineers to, you know, leverage that time. We encourage in terms of tech mentorship where there is a pair programming that happens. And going beyond that, right, we also encourage our people. For example, we are on a cloud transformation journey right now, and it's a very complete different skill that we need to learn, right? And how do we learn it? So we provide learning modules in terms of learning cloud skill set and knowledge, provide reimbursement for certification. But what I'm most you know, proud of and something I'm super excited to share is we also reward those people who take chances, who invest in themselves and get the certification additional bonus, right? So it's more about believing in it, that this is the right thing, not only just for our organization, but investing back in our people. That is something we at TransUnion are doing. Now, 
it's one thing to learn, but if we don't practice, so create meaningful work and you will hear our CEO, Chris Cartwright, talking about this too, right? Not only Abhi and me, but how do we create meaningful work, which goes back to making sure engineers understand why we are doing and they have, you know, they are part of the conversation about, you know, not just what we build solution, but also why we build solution. I'm a hands-on learner as well. I would read enough. And I think that's you know, when you have kids and you start watching them and how they learn, I think it's it's good when you you learn how other people learn because I think sometimes we get stuck in our own modalities of like, this is how I learn. So I think that's how everybody else learns. Uh, the people out there who judge people who listen to Audible, I think should be prosecuted to the maximum extent of the law. I think that kind of learn shaming needs to be stopped. It's a problem. For America, it's a problem for the world. And I'm, I'm going to champion that from here on forward. There are so many other ways to learn. But I do think I agree with everything you're saying about like learn a little bit, put your hands on it, see how it feels, work it through. And it, I coach a lot of uh, lacrosse teams. And one of the things that I've learned being married to a, a teacher and coaching is that the highest form of understanding is when you can teach it to other people. Right. So that that fills a lot of gaps of like, ah, you just kind of do it this way. It's like, that doesn't mean you really understand it, right? Right. And I think when we are, when we, we all have some skills right now. And as things change, we all learn. I'm learning something from you right now, Patrick, right? We just don't realize that. But I think when we intentionally try to relearn or learn new skills, then we are leaving something behind that we are so comfortable with. We have learned it and, you know, we have practiced it and we have been successful. Now learning new skills and practicing and then understanding that and making sure that, hey, would I be successful or no? A lot of us would be very nervous about because it's the future for us, right? And, and some of this practice that we implement at TransUnion, it's more of making sure that there is this trust within the organization that we are right next to you as we learn. And that's that's a pretty you know big deal from my perspective. I will give you an example. Uh, about one and a half years back when I came to interview with TransUnion, at the end of my interview, I had to go and catch my train from Union Station. And I knew one path to get to Union Station, but I had about five minutes left. And one of my uh, TransUnion member, her name is Hannah, and she and I were talking about it. And I told, hey, Hannah, uh, goodbye. Great to meet you. I need to run because I have five minutes to get to my train and I don't want to miss it. And she's like, Swati, do you know there is a shortcut to TransUnion where you want to go? And it may not even take a minute for you to reach there. So it, as much as it sounded very tempting, it's something I had to learn new. I didn't have enough time. My goal was to catch train. What she did for me is, hey, I'm heading out. Let me just walk you there. And it's a very similar strategy that I'm talking about what we are doing at TransUnion is being there with someone who has done it, who can help learn and invest, right? She walked me through and it didn't probably take even 30 seconds and I was right there where I was supposed to be, right? So that's what it's, we all go through that 
probably nervousness of not knowing where we want to reach and would we reach what we want to do. This is where organizations come in and invest and build in that talent and make, you know, as we say, trust possible. Swati, I, I think you shared with us earlier that a lot of this lifelong learning philosophy came from your dad. Can you tell us more about that? So I will tell you a story. This is like a long time ago. My younger brother and, you know, my cousins and his friends will play cricket in the field which falls in you know, my dad's property area. And I would watch them and I would, you know, I want to learn about it and I want to, I enjoy it, right? But one day I was sitting there and my dad came in and he asked me, are you enjoying? And I had such a safe space that I said, no, I want to play. So my dad said, what's stopping you, right? He taught me many different lessons, right? That use your influence, this is your field, right? And they have to pay tax for them to play. <laughs> and, you know, you, you go and jump in. But I think the most important, many important lesson, one of those that I took as a learner is raise your hand because I raised my hand in front of him and said, hey, I want to do this. And there was an opportunity that I didn't even know, right? And that's what the opportunities that I continued to do over the years. And not that I got picked every time, Sherry, right? There were times where I was a disappointment, but it definitely creates more probability for you to have an opportunity uh, than not raising hand. In at TransUnion, we call it path to possible. So I'm executive sponsor of Women of global technology, which we kick off as a new initiative this year. And that's exactly kind of opportunities that we would like to create for members of women of global technology, members of TransUnion to say, raise your hand from my perspective, how I say it, right? And see where the path to possible is. Uh, because it can take you to different possibilities that we have not even thought about. The story that you told is one that I, I think is the fear of rejection. You know, the fear of failure is there that stops people from, you know, the time-based, you know, the getting to the trains at Union from TransUnion. I really had to say that while you were talking. I just kept thinking trains at Union while leaving TransUnion. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm going to work this in somehow. I don't know how yet, but I'll get it there. <laughs> but uh, but that I uh, the concept of like resiliency and grit and like accepting that you've got these small failures, you know, that path to what's possible, as you mentioned, is that part of what you're trying to do is build a little bit more resiliency in each each person and like right sizing the potential that like, hey, one, you're going to you're going to have some successes. You're going to have some not success. I don't want to call them failures because they're not failures. They're learnings. Right. And it's just. So that didn't work. That doesn't fit. And just encouraging people to, to be just a fraction more willing to, to step into a place where they might be told uh, not possible. Right. Right. And I, I think when we talk about something which is not possible, it's it has to be very constructive way. 
right? Because there is always something, if one thing is not possible, there is something else is possible. And then how as a coach, as a, uh, as a peer, as an ally, right? That we support each other. That's a pretty, pretty important thing in, in anybody's career, right? And I have been blessed and grateful for so many mentors and sponsors and peers who has supported, you know, in terms of not just thinking about how I would approach next opportunity of learning, right, specifically, but at the same time, holding hands and talking about it. So I would, I would tell you when marketing solution as a domain, besides me as a consumer getting a lot of marketing advertisement, right? It's a pretty new field. So when I took the engineering organization leaders leadership about it, I learned tremendously from our business leader, Matt Spiegel, David Dohan, and Abhidhar, who continue to help in terms of learning what that domain looks like. And it's still a continuous learning for me, right? But that's kind of uh, vulnerability that we all if we are comfortable about it and how we become comfortable is having that safe space, right? That's what my leaders, my business partners gave me in terms of being comfortable to say, I have to learn this and help me learn so I can partner more effectively and my teams can partner more effectively to deliver what we want to deliver. So all those folks you just mentioned, obviously they've been mentors throughout the years. Uh, who's a mentor, I guess, you've had in your career that was um, uh, just a gift, right? Someone who really changed your career trajectory or otherwise? That's a great question, Shelley. I have multiple mentors over the years, and some of them have, have invested in, in me for many, many years, right? And I also have mentors from my family side of the world where I continue to learn from them something different in day-to-day life that I take to the work and how do I create that harmony. I haven't taken permission from any one of them. So I will, (laughs) you know, I'm going to shy away from naming names and I'm sure I will miss on many of them. But it's just, what I would say is, seek for mentors. There are a lot of leaders and a lot of peers who are open to share and help learn and be ally. Again, raise your hand when you want to learn. And every one of us have a different talent and a different strength. So what you want to learn and what other leader strength is and approach them that that's specifically uh, the strength that you are trying to build. And I think, I think a lot of us, to your point, we tend to look for mentors within our own industry or, you know, our own practice, so to speak. And I, myself earlier in my career, I would have just gone straight to HR mentors and not thought about, you know, getting some in technology or finance, what have you. But I think it's really important that you purposefully go outside of of your own little world. That's so true because if you want to do a system thinking at work that you are, and as long as you learn how to see the space overarching and what are the risks across every part of the cross-functional delivery that you know we need to do, that's the start of being an ally and making sure that how you effectively solve the problem instead of 
having a debate that doesn't end in one or another direction. Very cool. Swati, thank you so much for taking the time today uh, to join the podcast and, and share your experiences and your wisdom and your thoughts on being a lifelong learner, being just a little bit more braver each day, take a little bit more risk uh, and reach out to mentors that maybe you don't really understand why you need them to be a mentor. Yeah. And I think supporting someone who is not, who is still trying to, in the process of raising hands, supporting them and say, raise your hand, right? So, well, I would say it's fantastic to talk to you. I am looking forward to continue to hear your podcast. And Patrick, thanks for, you know, being a fantastic leader. And I, I got to know you more through this podcast than even before. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we also want to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.